Hello once again everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Movie. The the show that I do while I'm driving to work. And we're kind of continuing on our full moon Christmas. Uh, I really don't even know how this started. I think it's just I started watching Tubi, watched a movie, and it just starts saying, Hey, if you like that, you'll like this. Well, guess what? Not necessarily true. <laughs> uh, some of these recommendations, you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. But they just all happen to be all full moon productions. Charles Band movies is the best way to describe it. Uh, his production company. And uh, most of these are based off the uh, the 80s and 90s time period here. Getting into early full moon stuff. And... Today's movie is Netherworld, which I remember seeing back in the day when it came out on VHS. And uh, I pretty much like to call it Neither World because I'm not really impressed with either world in this movie. <laughs> but uh, a fun revisit. Let's uh, let's take a, a gander at this, right? So it's it's directed by David Schmoller, uh, who directed Tourist Trap great horror flick, classic. Uh, this guy also directed and either wrote or co-wrote the Puppet Master series. I know he I know he directed the first Puppet Master. I'm not sure about the others, but I know he was involved with the entire franchise. Uh, so, you know, a little credibility here. Um, let's see, who do we got actor-wise? Uh, we got Robert Sampson. Okay, Robert Sampson is... Uh, from Reanimator, right? Dean Halsey. So every time you see this guy, I go, "Hey, there's Dean Halsey." That's that's just what I recognize him as. So uh, he's really the only actor in this that I kind of go, "Okay, I like that guy." Right? Not that the other actors in this movie are terrible. I mean, they're okay for what they're doing. Uh, but here's uh, here's the big thing. This is probably where the budget was really spent. You've got Edgar Winter in this movie. Uh, obviously playing the music. If you don't know who Edgar Winter is, he's one of the most prolific musicians of our time. Uh, the way you can recognize him in the movie is when they're showing the band playing back in this little club. Uh, he's the albino. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. He's uh, Him and his brother both, Johnny and Edgar Winter, were both albinos incredible incredible musicians um, some of you probably know an Edgar Winter song or two such as Free Ride or Frankenstein right uh, love that song by the way but yeah great great music this, this guy can play anything and can sing like nobody's business so, uh, yeah, it's always cool to see him get recognized and stuff. But I would imagine just the budget of getting him involved, maybe writing a tune or two, uh, probably cost him. Not only that, not only do we have the great Edgar Winter, we have David Bryan in the movie. Yep, that's right. The keyboard player, the synthesizer player from Bon Jovi. You can insert your own laughter there if you want. Uh, not a fan. Just saying. 
he was the guy in the band that I was always like, you know, if, if, if Bon Jovi was my band, he wouldn't be in it. <laughs> and, and, and I can't, can't really say why. Uh, he's just a keyboard player. I'm just, just not a fan. I don't like his looks. Anyways, uh, yeah, we got the keyboard player from Bon Jovi and Edgar Winter, who can absolutely smoke David Bryan on keyboards. It's not even a contest. I mean, bitch, please. <laughs> but, uh, so let's talk about this flick, right? Uh, based in Louisiana. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I really don't know what I just watched. Uh, I don't remember as much detail from the first time around of watching this as I do now from watching it. And I'm still not sure what the details are. Um, you're in Louisiana. And you start off with this little club. Like I said, it also has a brothel in it. So it's got a whorehouse. And uh, you kind of see a young guy going in, and he's, you know, wanting to spend a little money. I guess is the best way to say it. And, you know, it, it shows you the, the underbelly of an institute like this, right? So he's walking through. You're seeing all the girls. He ends up with this girl that is a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Um, which brings up an interesting question. I wonder about did the did the cast did the cast did the uh, did the screenplay actually have a Marilyn Monroe wannabe in it, or did they just find an actress and say, "Hey, what else can you do? Can you impersonate anybody?" Yeah, I can impersonate Marilyn Monroe. Okay, and they just threw it in there because I don't know not that good. She don't really look like her at all. I mean, come on, you put a big blonde wig, I guess anybody can say they're Marilyn Monroe, but, I mean, she's got some of the, 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 the speech things kind of down, but realistically, she ain't no Marilyn Monroe. But anyways, I, I digress. I just wonder about that. Is this a written in, hey, we're looking for a Marilyn Monroe wannabe, or, you know, is this just something extra that you can do and we'll just put it in the movie I don't know don't really care it don't really work for me but anyways um, but the point is is in just like every whorehouse in New Orleans back in the day there's always that one door that says keep out written on it right so obviously we're going to get one guy that's been in this room for a while that goes and has to go in the room that says keep out and he runs into a lady named Dolores. Dolores is kind of a, a voodoo witch and prostitute. It's like, how do you balance that lifestyle out, right? Uh, when I'm when I'm not, you know, doing the deed, I'm I'm working up these spells on people. I don't know. It seems like one would be more profitable than the other. I don't know. Just saying. Actually, probably the prostitution is probably a better <laughs> a better money maker. Uh, you know, anyways, the oldest profession of all time, right? But yeah, uh, he runs into her and decides he's going to rape her because he don't have any money or anything, so it's obviously showing this guy's a bad guy. And then out of nowhere, on a wall, 
somewhere in this place, there's a stone hand. It's some kind of display. Well, the stone hand starts flying off the wall towards this guy, and it grabs his face, and all these, like, vines and, I don't know, barbed wire, whatever it is, start wrapping around his head and squeezing his head. Bloody, gory kind of stuff. You know, it's a, it's pretty cool. Um, and then it just kind of cuts away, but in, in a nutshell, again, I'm still trying to put the pieces of all this together, but apparently she puts a curse on people when they're bad, she turns them into birds. I don't know. I don't know if that's a Louisiana thing or what, but I, it, I don't know. I don't understand, but we really only get to see this thing happen about twice in the movie. So, even though this is the artwork on the cover, the stone hand, it's kind of flying through, and it, it can do all these things. It's almost like the, the spheres that the tall man has, right? They got all these different devices that it can do. Well, this is a stone hand that can have, like, snake heads on the ends of its fingers when it gets to your face and rips your eyeballs out, or all these kind of things, right? We don't get to experiment enough with this, right? We only get to really see this thing twice in the movie. Well, three times, but the third time's like, okay, whoopity-doo. But, uh, so you got this thing going on, and then we meet this young man by the name of Corey, who, just like every, it seems like every full moon movie is has an estranged son, right? They've, they've gone away from the dad. It's almost like a requirement for these movies. And, uh, He's coming back to take over his dad's estate, I guess, because he's died. But he finds a journal where his dad's really wanting him to help bring him back from the dead. And Dolores is the one that can make it happen. So there's your there's your background of what's really happening here. So the young guy is trying to go to the Neverworld, Netherworld, either world, and bring his dad back and, you know... I don't really understand because apparently there's not a very good relationship there, so why would you do it, right? Uh, he falls in love with a girl named Dan that seems to work there at the house. Her and her mother both worked for his dad at the time. You know, he's got this huge plot of land in Louisiana. Um, you know, you, you kind of get that story, right? Uh, well, he don't really fall for, for Diane. Diane falls for him. Literally, like, I don't know. They've only met each other like two or three times, and she already confesses that she loves him. It's just like, well, that's kind of quick. They haven't even really had a ten-minute conversation. But she decides that she loves him, and she's going to help him bring his dad back from the dead. That's commitment, folks. How do you even bring that conversation up? Hey, my dad's dead, and he wrote this thing saying that he wants to come back from the dead, and I need some help. Would you help me? Sure. I mean... <laughs> How's that not an awkward conversation, right? Needless to say, that's pretty much the goal of this. Uh, but at the same time, Corey goes and messes around with, with Dolores. And you kind of get a nine and a half weeks kind of moment going on here where you got Edgar Winter blowing a saxophone in the background with David playing the piano from Bon Jovi. And... Uh, Dolores and, and Corey's kind of getting it on, and it's, uh, you know, it looks very nine and a half weeks. You can tell that they were kind of playing off the popularity of that movie at the time. 
And, uh, yeah. Uh, he wakes up the next day and he's got a feather growing in his hair. And if you see all the people in this movie that are connected to her, they've all got feathers in their hair. Or they're a bird. That's your two choices. So, it's funny that this hand will come and, like, rip your eyeballs out and smash your head, but then you just turn into a bird. Don't know why. No explanation. That's just what we're going with. So, needless to say, he's kind of scared of Dolores because she kind of pops up and these weird things happen all the time. And then also, Diane's mother, who works at the house, starts getting scared of, of Corey and she's got this crucifix that she uh, takes into his bedroom while he's asleep and opens it up and it's a knife and she's going to kill him Well, Dolores shows up mystically and stops him, stops her and makes her blind you know, puts a, puts a voodoo spell on her so, Corey's in the, in the good for now, right? but yeah, in order to bring his dad back he has to go to Dolores' house and take a bubble bath that she's run a feather through <laughs> Again, I, I, no explanation, don't know why, just weird stuff, right? Um, and he meets his dad in the netherworld, and his dad actually has planned to have his son show up, and he's going to sacrifice his son so he can come back. So he has to kill his son, I guess, and, af- and offer him up to who knows what, doesn't really say, but he straps him down to a table and he starts turning into stone kind of like the, the stone hand, right? And Corey's feet have turned to stone and it's like working its way up his body, I guess because it's going to start your feet and work all the way up because that's just how things work it's not going to happen at all of you at once it's just going to start your feet your toes will get solid first and, you know, kind of like frostbite <laughs> and, uh but then, uh, while he's in the bubble bath, his girlfriend, Diane, who's now in love with him, shows up. And Dolores says, uh, you want to help him? Uh, p- put his hand down your shirt. Uh, I, that's what I got out of it. I may be wrong. I mean, I think she's going for touching my heart kind of thing, but it looks a little otherwise. Which, there's a lot of hands going down shirts in this movie. And pants. All kinds of stuff. And uh, apparently when he touches her, then all of a sudden he gets the power to break the ropes loose and make the, the, the hand come and attack his dad. And then he wakes up, and then he's sitting at the estate with everybody, like everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine. And another dude that's in the movie walks up with a bird cage, and it's a parrot, and you can see that half the face on the bird kind of looks like his dad, so his dad turned into a bird. The end. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, there's some good ideas in this movie, but there's not enough play on them, right? It kind of drags on. They're trying to make a story where there's not really a story. But, you know, overall, it's not terrible. Uh, definitely better than the last couple that I've watched. So, take that for what it is. Let's see, on a scale of 1 to 5, I'll give it, I'll give it a 3. I mean, it's okay. Uh... I guess that means I kind of liked it, but don't know that I'll revisit it. But that's it for this one, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any requests or anything that you would like to see covered or hear covered on this show, uh, drop me a line. Drop me a message. Uh, give me a text. And uh, I'll be glad to give it a shot. That's it, folks. We will check you later. <laughs>